0: Hello, I'm Scott Winnale, and welcome to T.W. Now. Christmas means different things to different people. Those calling themselves Christian all around the globe celebrate this holiday and consider it one of the most special and important of the Christian holidays. And many who do not consider themselves as Christian or even religious often keep Christmas as a holiday in its traditions as well. Gift giving, caroling, setting up Christmas trees and the like. Yet, few know the facts behind the holiday, even though the popular press frequently publishes articles on the subject. One such article from the December 25, 2015 Washington Post is entitled, Why is Christmas on December 25th? a brief history lesson that may surprise you. Over the recent decades, Christmas has become more commercialized, especially in the West. It's become a holiday of gift-getting and a major boon for many economies. It's a holiday that increases personal debt. The Christmas spirit exemplified by many shoppers is often, sadly, impatience and inconsideration. This commercialization and its related consequences has prompted many religious leaders to call for putting Christ back into Christmas. This is an admirable request, but was Christ ever really in Christmas in the first place? Today's returning guests will answer the question for you if you're ready to find out more. Stay tuned. Our guests today are joining us once again, Mr. Dexter Wakefield. Mr. Wakefield is a longtime minister, a student of history, a Tomorrow's World magazine writer, and he's also one of the authors of our informative booklet, Is Christmas Christian, that we'll talk about at the end of the program. Mr. Adam West is a returning guest as well. He's a longtime minister and Bible student, and he's joining us via Skype from upstate New York. Gentlemen, welcome back. It's great to have you on the program today. And by the way, to our viewers, if you have questions as we go through the program today, we invite you to please let us know. Send us a note, and we'll try and get to your questions. <coughs> Gentlemen, let me start with the following question. As we begin, what does tradition teach us about Christ and Christmas? And let me just start with you, Mr. West.
1: I think one of the traditions that uh, readily comes to mind is that is. Christ uh, as the Son of God, uh, being born on December 25th.
0: Okay. Can you think of any more, Mr. Wakefield, any more traditions that go along with Christ and Christmas?
2: Well, of course, uh, they say that he was born on December 25th when we know that, when we know that he wasn't. Um, there's gift-giving that goes on. There's Christmas trees, evergreens, and things of that nature. All of yule logs, all of these practices that we have traditions that we associate with keeping Christmas.
0: So we have these traditions that go along with Christmas. What does history teach us about Christmas, and what does history itself, what kind of insights does history itself shed on the traditions?
2: Hmm. Well, um, very few people uh, in traditional Christianity actually believe that Jesus was born on the 25th. I mean, that's common knowledge that he wasn't. historians at all believe that. There's occasionally, there's there's the uh, holdout, the hardliner who says, yes, he was, yes, he was, and they'll give various reasons. Um, You know, we know that there were shepherds in the fields at that time, and that's some common knowledge that that they were not in Palestine at that time. They were brought in around Passover in the spring and then um, put back out again in October and November. The reason why Uh, rather brought in in October and November and put out in the spring and the reason for that is is in the desert where they lived there's no feed in the winter. Even if there's snow there they certainly could not have any feed and they would have to be brought in where there's hay stored and there's food stored for them so that they could eat. We do the same thing for our livestock today. Mm -hmm. So that was what was going on then and um, Adams Clark's commentary for Luke chapter 2 and verse 8 gives a pretty good explanation for that.
0: Okay. Mr. West, what are, what are some of the historical pieces that you'd like to share?
1: Well, I think uh, the, going off of what Mr. Wakefield was talk, talking about is the, uh, the shepherds actually, you know, when you look at the uh, examples from uh, the scripture even, and it, it was the shepherds that were there at the manger uh so much of this we look at um, you know the error that's that's perpetuated uh the error goes all the way back into um, uh paganism uh it goes back uh many uh, millennia. Uh interesting in uh, Durant's uh, History of Civilization volume three says that, uh, quote, Christianity did not destroy paganism, it adopted it. And it talks about it being uh, from Egypt, uh, the adoration of the mother and child. And So these are themes we see in Christmas. It talks about, uh, again, the Mithraic ritual so closely resembled the Eucharistic sacrifice of the Mass that Christian fathers charged the devil with inventing these similarities to mislead frail minds. So, a lot has been written about uh, the uh, origins of Christmas, and, and that educates us.
0: You mentioned a minute ago uh, December 25th uh, being the day that we celebrate Christmas on, and, and that it couldn't have been that because the shepherds were in the field. How did December 25th become the day that Christmas is celebrated on if, if uh, shepherds weren't in the field and Christ wasn't born on that day?
2: Hmm. Well, it was uh, the celebration for the Winter Festival took place at that time, really in almost all pagan customs, from the, um, even going back many centuries before Christ, even thousands of years. Um, Saturnalia goes back to 500 B.C., about 350 A.D. Pope Julius I named it as December 25. Our viewers may want to know that tomorrow is a very big day for pagans. You know what the day is? It's the winter solstice. Tomorrow is is December 21st is the winter solstice. It moves a few days every year. But the Romans considered it to be December 25 every year. And that's the day that the the sun reaches its lowest arc in the sky. If you look up and see the sun today, about midday, it is way low down. It goes a very low arc. And then it starts going back up. So today, if you're a pagan, the sun is dying. This is the death day of the sun. But tomorrow the sun starts rising back up and that's the birth date of Solus Invictus, the unconquerable sun. So that's, tomorrow's a very big day if you're a pagan and well, you slip it a few days and you get the winter solstice celebration that was Christianized by the Roman church in later centuries. So
0: basically, if I understand you correctly, Jesus Christ was made to be born on the, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was made to be reborn on the birthday of the Son itself.
2: Yeah, uh, the, the, the pagan cultures, particularly under Constantine, they just sort of adopted many of the pagan practices of the time. They put a Christian veneer over them. So if you were a pagan, you just kind of kept doing what you always did back in those days. And you would keep giving gifts on that time. Uh, you might have evergreens. Evergreens were used in ancient times, before Christ's time, too, uh, as symbols of the rebirth and the, re, uh, the rebirth of life that comes in the winter, um, in, the, in the spring, in the, uh, later on in the year, or as a reminder that life is returning. So uh, that's simply a, a pagan custom that has been uh, Christianized uh, or made to be acceptable. To the populations people love it now they loved it back then and that's why they kept it any more thoughts about um, the you mentioned
0: evergreens about the christmas tree or about mistletoe or any others of the holiday traditions that go along with christmas in, in their pagan origins as we explore this paganism mr west yeah
1: any i think the um, you know even the the christmas tree itself uh many go out whether they they do now uh actual trees or or artificial uh they that's still a very big part of of uh the tradition. Uh you can actually look up in in uh any number of encyclopedias you can see how tree worship was common among uh, the ancient pagans and the um, bringing in that tradition into uh, what we would say uh, mainstream Christianity uh, happened uh, long ago, and it's something that I think is interesting to consider, and maybe we'll talk about that a little later in the program, but, uh, uh, you know, even the Bible giving uh, maybe an allusion to that particular practice and and, uh, not speaking favorably of it.
0: Okay, definitely. Let me ask you another question. There are a number of pagan practices that have, as we've been talking about, made their way into Christianity. Um, Does the fact that Christianity adopted these pagan customs sanctify them and make them okay to keep? And Mr.
2: Wakefield, I wonder if you have some thoughts about that. Well, that's a huge question. And frankly, I think a big one and an important one. It's an important theological issue that, that resides in, in this question, and that is can you sanctify the pagan, or can you baptize the pagan, or can you Christianize a pagan practice? And uh, that's what uh, Orthodox Christianity did after the 2nd and 3rd centuries that enabled it to grow so much. They simply went out and Christianized, put a Christian veneer over the uh, pra- practices of the people, that, the lands that they wanted to Christianize. Uh, Constantine declared Christianity to be the uh, official religion of the uh, Roman Empire in the fourth century AD and he did it largely by Christianizing uh, pagan practices to make those things acceptable. It made for great growth for the church, the Orthodox Church in those days. The medieval uh, church thought that you can conquer paganism by putting by putting it into God's service, let's take a pagan practice or a pagan temple or a pagan statue and let's put it into God's service, let's in effect baptize this thing, and that's acceptable to God. But can you? Can you do that? And the question becomes, of course, what did God say about it? It turns out that the Bible has a very different point of view about that.
0: Mm-hmm. Mr. West, <clears throat> any thoughts ab- ab- about why uh, you, you can't take pagan worship practices and make them Christian?
1: Well, and even I any think,
0: scriptural background or any, any thoughts that way?
1: I think if you, you look in the scriptures, uh, for example, Deuteronomy chapter 12, uh, verse 29, uh, I'll, just, I'll just read the passage. When the Lord your God cuts off from before you the nations which you go to dispossess and you displace them and dwell in their land, Take heed to yourself that you are not ensnared to follow them after they are destroyed from before you, and that you do not inquire after their gods, saying, How did these nations serve their gods? I also will do likewise. You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. For every abomination to the Lord which he hates, they have done to their gods. For they burn even their sons and daughters in the fire to their gods. In verse 32 especially, whatever I command you, be careful to observe it, you shall not add to it, nor take away from it. And so that's, that's a very clear statement right from Scripture. So not you've, got, to
0: add to you've got the God of the Old Testament who is giving this command, don't worship me like these pagans worship their gods, don't use those pagan practices to then worship me. But isn't that the God of the Old Testament who's saying that? Why, why should we, as New Testament Christians heed something that was said all the way back in Deuteronomy?
1: I think it's, it's important to recognize uh, and you can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verses one through four. It says that that rock that followed them, talking about ancient Israel, that rock was Christ. That's a very powerful statement. And when we understand from Hebrews 13 8 that uh, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, He's the one that gave that instruction not to add to or take away from uh, the way that He prescribed to worship Him.
2: I think Mr. West really, really covered it pretty well. Just add one scripture to it in the the so-called Old Testament God, which we know is the same God as the New Testament, he said, I am the Lord your God, I change not. Amen. And they say, well, yeah, but he changed. He said that he didn't, uh, and, but they say that he did. That He changed his mind about these things. Really what he's saying, and particularly the, in verse 31 there, where he gives the example of making children pass through the fire, burning their children, child sacrifice, all of these things, he's saying that The pagan practices are simply indelibly profaned. He wants nothing to do with them, yet people push those on him with their traditions. And he says, you uh, worship me in vain if you substitute for my commandments what I tell you to do with your traditions. He simply does not respect that, and he tells us not to do it. um, uh, Mankind cannot sanctify something that is pagan, that's wrong. And God says, don't do those things to him. And I would
1: say, too, that, you know, I think it's important that we mention that the birth of Jesus Christ is clearly in the Scriptures. In Matthew chapter two, uh, 1 and 2 and in Luke chapter 1. But what is absent in the Scriptures is the celebrating of the day of Jesus' birth as a commemoration of that day. You know we, we understand there's, there's no direct injunction saying that Christmas is obligatory, uh, something that should, Christians should be involved in, but we are not in any way denying that that birth did take place. Um, and uh, actually, uh, there are numerous examples of Christ and the apostles, the early Christians, keeping the days uh, outlined in Leviticus chapter 23. Mm-hmm. And
2: uh, Christ, Christ did give us a commandment something to do and to memorialize about him. It was at his birth. Nowhere does it say in the Bible that we are to memorialize his birth. It did say that we are to memorialize his death. Um, and such in Luke 22, 19, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three, he says, Do this in remembrance of me or well, you show the Lord's death till he comes. That's what he wants us to do and that's why we keep the Christian Passover because he told us to do that and we know from 1 Corinthians 11 that Paul gave instructions to the first century church to do that as well. Very clear ones what it meant and how to do it and when to do it. You sort of give us a segue here. Let's talk for
0: a minute. Um, there are worldly quote unquote Christian holidays which usually are not biblical and they do have their roots in paganism, uh, most of them. Uh, but there are these biblical holidays. H- how do these, I'm trying to think of how to ask the question, how do these biblical holidays juxtapose against the worldly Christian holidays or what, how, how does God expect us to look at these worldly Christian holidays in light of the, the Holy Days that He outlines in the Scripture? Mr. Wakefield?
2: There's a big difference between the way uh, the world's solar calendar and the world's solar holidays are are set. If you look at uh, Christmas, Easter, the various ones, they are set at different points of the solar year, Uh, whereas God's holy days are set by the lunar calendar. For instance, we start with uh, Passover, which has tremendous meaning for Christians. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Then it goes into the first day of Unleavened Bread uh, that has tremendous meaning for us. Uh, The days of Unleavened Bread, too. Our sinless state in Christ and how we are to keep sin out of our lives. Then Pentecost, the Holy Spirit. It goes through the entire plan of salvation. The the holy days do. And that's why they're so important. We have this booklet, God's, Holy Days um, and God's Master Plan. people want to get this, this is a very interesting thing because it outlines the plan of salvation in His Holy Days, and you can learn a lot by seeing this. If you've never read this, please request it. It's free. You can get it at the, uh, at the website. Just order it at yeah, tomorrowsworld.org. We'll to tomorrowsworld.org, yes, yes.
1: Other thoughts about the Holy Days, Mr. <clears throat> West? Well, I, I think it's interesting that you know, in all the discussion about uh, the birth of Christ, uh, some may say, well, you're not Christian if you don't keep that, uh, somehow denying the Savior. But, uh, you know, if we look at even in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21, it talks about uh, the angel that visited Joseph. He conveyed to him how the uh, child's going to be born and, and uh, that he would save his people from their sins. Now, that's a powerful message, I think, uh, that is is part of that um, part of scripture, that passage of scripture, a savior. The holy days point directly to, uh, certainly with Passover, the savior says that he would save their people from their sins. Jesus Christ coming and dying, paying the penalty for our sins, is central to the holy days, ultimately when we understand even projecting forward to the Day of Atonement later on. And uh, I encourage those watching to read that booklet and read about the Day of Atonement. Uh, again, the focal point, so much of the Holy Days, is on uh, the, the uh, death of Jesus Christ and how that can uh, cleanse us from sin. And I think that gets lost in all the commercialization, the traditions, the rituals that have enveloped that important event. Certainly something that's in Scripture. But if we, if we don't remember that, I think uh, we're, we're missing something. But again, I think the important thing here is to recognize that there are counterfeits. There are counterfeits to what God said to plainly do. And we want to make sure that we're doing uh, what it is our Savior told us to do. And, and as we've already established, he's the one that's, that's
2: directing us. And Mr. West mentioned the commercialization of, of Christmas. That's, uh, that's always such a, an obvious thing this time of year when we see that. Um, you know, the, the merchants uh, call it Christmas creep Have you ever noticed that every year they start advertising it and start playing the music a little bit earlier and a little bit earlier? Used to be you didn't see it until well after Thanksgiving, now they start it at Thanksgiving and then up around Halloween in a lot of some stores. You know, I always got to laugh about it. I'm waiting. One of these days I'm going to see Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny duking it out for the (laughs) consumer's hard-earned cash. You know, this is coming somewhere. They're going to meet around May somewhere to get the consumer's money. Well, that's really what it's about. They're, they're pushing this whole spirit, this whole season to get people uh, to spend more money than they should. That's why they start it earlier and earlier every year. One of the biggest problems people have right after the first of the year is crushing credit card debt. You know, people go into the stores and they feel like someone will say, oh, are you going to have a big Christmas this year? And they say, well, that means I've got to go out and buy a whole bunch of stuff I can't afford. And out comes the plastic, and then they, have, they pay 20% interest or whatever it is. It's, it's the big, biggest season of the year for uh, credit repair services is in January and February. That's their commercial season when they do that. It's, this whole thing is a whole commercial uh, enterprise, Then people are being sold something. Uh, to a large extent, when you look at uh, Christmas as a secular holiday.
0: That's interesting. It's, it's interesting to contrast that, too, with the biblical holy days. Uh, we have these holy days, as you're talking about, that represent different things. Uh, they are celebrations. And yet, God has, how has God orchestrated a way to celebrate these holy days without debt? I guess maybe you could chime in on that because God has created a way to to do this and not come away with a lot of debt on your credit card.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, um, God's west. God's uh, plan involves uh, tithing, and uh, there's a a tithe set aside to be able to uh, keep the feasts of God, and that. May seem like a burden to many, but actually, there's a great blessing if you read in Malachi, it talks about uh, having the, the windows of heaven opened up for those that do that. And I think those that, that have faithfully tithed recognize that uh, there is a, a blessing for doing that. And so, God doesn't want us to go into debt and to be swallowed up in that because that does bring sorrow and He, he wants us to have joy. And so, if we are properly planning and preparing uh, all year long, then there is a way made for us. Uh, I I was talking to someone just the other day down the street, and they were talking about how uh, uh, this gentleman's wife wanted to just quit doing Christmas altogether, and said, you know, why are we why are we going into this mountain of debt? Let's just just stop it altogether. And I thought that was very telling, coming from you know someone who you know they grew up and uh, keeping it. And I said mm-hmm. but it it would it would uh it would really um, hurt my mom if I stopped keeping it and I just mentioned it does take courage to go against the grain mm-hmm. and so there is a there is something to be said about stepping out and and doing what God says but you know in, in luke six forty six uh Christ said, But why do you call me lord lord and and not do the things which i say and so there's there's Uh, very clear instruction to to walk in the way that Christ says to walk
2: Mm -hmm. You know, I I just want to encourage our viewers if you haven't read seen these two booklets um, Is Christmas Christian and the holy days God's master plan? I hope that you'll go and and order them. They're free. There's no charge. There's no follow-up for money or of any kind Uh, We give God's truth and we we do not sell it Uh, it's just uh, very interesting, and particularly if you read this one about uh, the Holy Days God's Master Plan, you'll see how God put it all together. You cannot lose what he's doing, his whole purpose, if you understand and keep these Holy Days. I call it a seven-act play, that God has us walk through this every year so you don't forget. Mm-hmm. The people who stopped doing this, who stopped keeping the biblical Holy Days that, um, that he told us to keep, have then went off into their own ideas, their own traditions and everything else, and they lost much of the meaning that He had for us. Three times a year we have the Passover season that pictures Christ's death and what He did for us, and the Days of Unleavened Bread, we we spoke about that, then Pentecost, that's the second time of the year, the second season, the third season is the fall festivals. Uh, the return of Christ, the setting up of the kingdom of God on earth. It's not in heaven, it's on earth. And we keep the Feast of Tabernacles in the living church of God. So I hope people will look at this and consider it carefully. The holy days walk you through it. You can't forget it, you can't lose it if you keep them. And these really are not
0: just Old Testament holy days either. As we, as we study them, we realize Christ kept them, Christ taught them, the apostles kept them, and they taught them. Mm-hmm. I want to come back to something that Mr. West mentioned a few minutes ago related to the Christmas tree. Um, and th- come back and make a connection with the Bible. Does the Bible say anything about the Christmas tree or, or something that looks like a Christmas tree?
1: Mr. West, I uh, you want I think, to take that one? <laughs> I think we can see uh, similarities uh, what we might call a proto-Christmas tree. Uh, it's, it's interesting. In Jeremiah chapter 10, uh, beginning in verse 1, I'll just read it. Uh, Hear the word which the Lord speaks to you, O house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, Do not learn the way of the Gentiles, or those uh, who are non-Israelite. Do not be dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the Gentiles are dismayed at them, for the customs of the peoples are futile. For one cuts a tree from the forest... The work of the hands of the workmen with the axe. They decorate it with silver and gold. Sounds like tinsel in our modern times. Uh, They fasten it with nails and hammers so that it will not topple. And they do put the base on the bottom of these Christmas trees so they don't fall over. In verse 5, they are upright like a palm tree. They cannot speak. They must be carried because they cannot go by themselves. Do not be afraid of them for they cannot do evil nor can they do any good. But we're told very specifically not to uh, follow and learn the ways of those that uh, don't know uh, the God of the Bible. And just, go ahead. Sorry.
0: Go ahead. Well, I was oh, going to say that's fascinating because Jeremiah is writing some five to six hundred years before Jesus Christ came around, and condemning a practice that has subsequently popped up or popped up. in quote unquote Christianity, modern Christianity, Mm-hmm. A couple thousand years later, actually, I think uh, the modern Christmas tree that we have goes back to uh, Germany a couple hundred years ago.
2: Mm-hmm. Just want to just add just a little something to to what he said. Sometimes people respond to that and said, "Well, this scripture is about carving an idol out of a, the stump of a tree." But that's not the context. The context of it says that um, that they are talking about the signs in the skies. Do not be dismayed at the signs in the skies, like when. The sun god is dying today, or then rises back up. It's talking about the astronomical signs that are associated with the tree that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. It is literally a practice that went all the way back then, and it is known, at least historically, that they used evergreens in one form or another to symbolize the rebirth of the sun god and the promise of life to come in the spring. Mm -hmm. Well, we've had
0: a, hopefully, a. engaging discussion for our audience today. We've been able to, to touch on a number of historical pieces that we're running out of time as I look at the clock. So what I would like to do is ask each of you, is there a take home message? Is there a thought an idea related to Christmas and Christ in Christmas that you would like to leave the audience with today?
1: Mr. West. Well, I would, I would say Really look into these matters, Uh, sometimes hearing it, uh, we can walk away and and just quickly forget what it is that we've heard, but actually go on tomorrowsworld.org and uh, look into the booklets, it's Christmas Christian and uh, God's Holy Days, uh, and read those materials, look at what uh, is being said, because it does take courage to stand against uh, what we'd say the, the current of, of uh, this world society and also the traditions that we've grown up in. But a lot of times it's just that we've, we've taken what our parents have taught us and we've continued on in that, but we have to be very careful because Matthew fifteen nine tells us, in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And so we don't want to allow tradition to trump the Bible. Mm-hmm. Mr. Wakefield.
2: Well, um, two takeaways, uh, two reasons not to do this. Um, One, let's consider it as a secular festival. Uh, You know, the shopping hassles, you've been out to the mall, oh boy, it's terrible out there. The credit card death that people get, drunkenness at parties. You know, usually people are kind of glad that it's over with. Once it's over, there's a letdown sometimes, but, but I'm really sort of glad. Why start? why even start doing the thing in the first place? More and more people are simply dropping out of Christmas. They're not doing it anymore. We see Christmas creep and the merchandising of it. The whole thing is being driven by merchandising, and you are being sold something when you do this. That's one good reason the secular festival. The other one, as a religious festival, well, it's not biblical. It's clearly not biblical, and I think most the vast majority of people know that the origins of it are in paganism, and you cannot sanctify the pagan. We know that because God said that you cannot sanctify uh, the pagan. The, that idea is not biblical, and He said you can't do it. So therefore, don't do it. And consider the, looking into God's holy days. They are so much different, so much better. Is the way God designed us to Him to uh, be worshipped and for uh, gives us and teaches us the way of life and the plan of salvation that he has for us thank you gentlemen
0: thank you for being with us today thank you for your insights thank you for helping us better understand not only some of the history here behind christmas and its traditions but also where the bible fits into all of this it's very important to know and to understand as we've seen from today's program christ was never really in or part of christmas The holiday in most of its traditions long predate the birth of the Savior Jesus Christ. The desire to worship Christ in the act of worshiping Him is good and it is right. He is the Son of God. He is our Lord and Savior. Those who worship Christ should be commended for their attitude and their desire to do so. However, the Bible that Christ inspired makes His will plain. He wants us to honor and to obey and to worship Him, but not using the rituals that were anciently used by pagan cultures to worship their pagan gods. True Christians want to honor and obey Christ and aim to live as He directs in the pages of His Holy Bible. To find out more about the origins of Christmas and what the Bible says about it, we again encourage you to read our booklet, download our booklet, get a copy of our booklet, Is Christmas Christian? And you can do that at TomorrowsWorld.org, as well as ordering a copy or downloading a copy of our booklet on the Holy Days. At this point, we'd like to encourage you, if you want more information, if you want to find out more about news and prophecy and how it impacts your life, do visit us on TomorrowsWorld.org or stay tuned to TW now each week. Next week, we plan to look into the future and discuss what the year 2019 may have in store. It will no doubt prove to be an insightful discussion, so
1: join us again next week.